This is episode 25. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Well, hello, everybody. We are back. We are back. Good to be here with you. Hey, quick question. Are you considering a podcast? Maybe your office, maybe your supervisor, maybe someone has come to you and said, hey, could we use a podcast? Or maybe you have one already. Maybe your office has one, and maybe you're trying to figure out how to improve it, how to grow your audience. Well, today's guest is an expert on podcasting. His name is Ray Ortega, and he'll bring you some really great information and some interesting stories as well. It all starts right now. All right, so we have a very special podcaster guest today here on the All Hazards Podcast. Our guest is Ray Ortega. He is the host at thepodcasterstudio.com as well as rayortega.com. Ray is uh, the host of the Podcaster Studio and Podcasters Roundtable. Both shows are podcasts about podcasting. It's meta-podcasting, I guess. <laughs> he launched his first podcast in 2007. Uh, and then a couple of years later, in 2009, he created the Podcaster Studio to share what he had learned while producing his first podcast, which, by the way, was called the Produced Picker Podcast. Nice alliteration there. <laughs> And uh, to teach himself audio-only podcast production, it's a good way to learn. Podcasting quickly became a full-time hobby and eventually his job. And my guess is, Ray, that this was, sounds like a dream job for you. I do refer to it as a dream job because, I mean, well, I'm here talking about podcasting. It's something I do pretty much 24-7 ever since I discovered, I, I didn't discover podcasting, but when I found it for myself, this lonely little thing sitting in the iTunes store, I said, how do I do that because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure those are just two random guys in a basement somewhere. And now I can hear them. What's going on here? Right. So I figured out how to, how to do it. And my head has been in that space ever since. And when someone finally said, Hey, you know what? We'll pay you to help us do ours. Yeah. I made sure to let them know that I would, or I didn't let them know that I would probably do it for free. <laughs> no, you yeah. don't want to let that I, out I, of the don't bag. Know. So yes, it is a dream job for sure. Yeah. Anytime you can do uh, that, you can make money at a passion it's no longer a job, right? That's it. I mean, you know, you spend so much time doing it. So yeah, if you're lucky enough to do something for a living that you love, whether whether you did it before and then made a living out of it, or you got into something and then found a way inside the organization to do something you love, either way, you're going to do so much of it. Yes, you want to be able to love it. Yeah, it makes it so much easier to get out of bed in the morning and it makes you... Uh, it allows you to stay up working late at night if you if you have to without dreading working late. And a podcast fits right into that. Like if you're going to get into a podcast, you have to absolutely love not only the process of doing a podcast, but you better love the subject because you are going to be spending so much of your free time. You're kind of getting into a full-time job that in most cases you're not getting paid for. Right. So you know, that's fine for seven episodes, 20 episodes. What happens a year down the road when you're really burnt on the subject or the process? And, you know, that's what gets rid of most people who start podcasting. It's much harder than anyone anticipates going in. I can contest to that. It is. <laughs> and it, it does take a lot more time than you would ever expect it to. 
And what's interesting to me is that, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly when the first podcast hit the airwaves, so to speak, but uh, I didn't know what a podcast was until maybe a handful of years ago. Um, You hear about it. You know, I think Adam Carolla was the first podcast that I'd ever heard. He's one of the longer running shows. And it's like 2004, the tech. It's actually before that. Let's just say in 2005, they put it into the iTunes store. Mm. And that was one of these iterations along the timeline that really saw a bump in growth. And talking about growth, I mean, that, that's what's important. And we're going to talk about that today as well as uh, a lot of other things. The reason we you know, wanted to have you here was really to kind of talk about our own podcast, about your podcast, about how you can help other people um, develop their own podcasts, but specifically because Cal OES uh, ventured into this, uh, this podcasting world about a year ago. And um, so we're trying to evaluate whether or not this is something that, you know, we want to keep doing. And so far, we've gotten some uh, some good responses from our uh, subscribers and listeners, and they seem to appreciate what we're doing. Um, but we, of course, want to make it better. Um, and we want to kind of figure out uh, if we're doing things right. Um, podcasting in general, though, um, it's it's growing but not at a crazy rate, right? right it seems right. to me like it's like steady, but slow. That's it. It's steady, but slow or slow, but steady. Podcasting has grown pretty much every year since we're going back to that 2004 by a few percentage points every year. I think we're up to about, well, the the word podcast, there's Edison does some research and their research tells us about half of Americans, so it's about 150 million plus people are familiar with the term podcast. And then you go down from there and you have about 60 million people who have actually listened. Then you go down from there and you have currently somewhere around probably 40%, maybe 30% of people who listen to a podcast regularly. And we've seen an increase in that ever, every year since then. What, what's funny is you often read articles about a gold rush or a renaissance or something like that, right? This is the golden age of podcasts. Every few years, the media comes back and shines the light on podcasting because something happens and gets a little bit of buzz, mm. and then they go away. But podcast has never stopped growing, and it has never really hit any kind of huge surge. You know, we had Serial, which is a podcast most people are familiar with. It's oftentimes the first podcast they ever heard of. Sometimes they didn't even realize it was a podcast. It just was a cultural phenomena. Uh, people are listening to this podcast about this um, old cold case murder case, if you're not familiar with it out in Baltimore. And the media came back once again. And so they made it sound like podcasting is sort of growing at this crazy rate all of a sudden, but it's not. It is exactly what you said, slow and steady growth. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's the old uh, the old story of the, the hare exactly. and the, tur- the tortoise, yes. the tortoise and the hare. Um, as long as it continues to grow, that's a good thing. Um It'd be nicer if it would pick up a little bit faster. Maybe some people, uh, more people could make money at it. Uh, here at Cal OES, we're not in it for the money. We're in it for the communications aspect right. of it. Um, government, uh, I was shocked, actually. Today, in researching for this podcast, I took a look on iTunes. And I was looking for government-tagged mm-hmm. podcasts in that category. Oh, my God. There are, there must be 
thousands of it looks like of, thousands of dead podcasts yeah. <laughs> yeah right right how many of them are active mm-hmm. but in terms of not just podcasts that talk about government but just those in the government category there are so many of them i don't know how many of them are active but there are a bunch so for us my thing is uh our deputy director kelly houston wanted to launch this thing to get our messaging to a different audience uh to give them a different way uh, of of learning about um, emergency management, um, the first responder type material, and it could be anything really. Um, but really, our, our our target audience were the the emergency managers, the first responders, those people who maybe want to become uh, emergency managers, those people who are moving up in the uh, emergency management field, and so. Keeping that in mind, we are trying to talk to the right people for the subject at hand, whatever that may be. You're here not because you're an emergency manager or you're a first responder, but because you're one of the guys who knows about podcasts and you're local, which helps us. Right. You know, we don't have to do it f- through Skype or something. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a typical <laughs> way that I'm a, a guest. This is cool to be in studio. Yeah. A little behind the scenes. I actually am sitting yeah. across the table from you, which is rare. And so my question is to you, how relevant is a podcast or how viable is a podcast for government entities, whether they're local, state, federal? In communicating their message yeah I mean I think with a lot of I would imagine I mean not a again not a specialist in government agencies right. per se but you know I would think the responsibility or part of the mission is to get the message out right get the word out uh, and I would think that would apply to wherever people are consuming um, which I'm sure you guys have many channels for reaching your audience and you know with a podcast iTunes and other podcast directories is a giant search engine that you're not in unless you put yourself there, right? So some people have cut out the radio and TV altogether. I mean, this age of cord cutting, people don't want to listen to the radios. It's filled with garbage half the time, right? And so they've migrated to on-demand content, uh, podcast, stuff like that. So if your audience is there, you're not reaching them if you're not there. It's not like, you know, if you curate a podcast, you really can have a blog as well because you put it on your website it's got some notes there and it lives there and so you're communicating two different ways you're reaching people through the web and you're reaching people that are in podcast directories such as itunes if you have a blog you don't also have a podcast right you could be on the web but you're not in a place like itunes so you have you have 60 million americans and we're talking about a global medium here so you can reach way beyond even your own borders and you're reaching all those people who typically tend to be the people that I think, well, we know advertisers want to reach. They Podcast listeners skew higher income, higher education. Um, that's good for advertisers. But I think it's really good for anyone who's trying to get their message out there and reach people um, who tend to be highly engaged. Podcast listeners, you know, it's a little bit of work to be a, uh, a subscriber to a podcast. And that's one of the reasons why we don't see explosion of listening it's not still not as easy as getting in your car and flipping on the radio. It's right. still easier to do the radio. I mean, if you try to sync it with Bluetooth, it's getting better. It is. But it's still not just sort of foolproof, right? Just a few more steps. A few more steps. So mm-hmm. when you do get that subscriber, they tend to be very loyal, um, very engaged if you ask them to be. Um, and they stick around. They say podcasts are very sticky, right? People, they come back weekly, monthly, yearly, and they're dedicated to the show. So... You know, that's probably someone you want to have reaching, you know, getting your message out to. 
Um, it's a good user base. So for, again, any kind of organization, you know, I work full-time, we talked about my job, and I work for a nonprofit based in D.C., and I work in the communications department. Interesting fact that before that, I was a first responder. But oh, you were? Yeah, I was a police officer. Oh. It happened. In another life, it okay. really happened. <laughs> yeah. But I have no expertise there okay. other than I was in it. But, um, and we we are working not for money. Our podcasts serve the purpose of um, sharing our message. Uh, it's a scientific organization about microbiology, and we're just trying to reach anyone who's interested, right? And so podcast is just one of those ways. It's been a very successful way. Uh, and the interesting thing is you don't know who you're going to pick up because it's open and it's global. I mean, we have people listen to show at an hour long, two hour long show about viruses. Okay. Yeah. We have truckers, police officers, lab people, anybody. And they write in and they say, you know, maybe they studied science in, in college. Uh, maybe they were a scientist and no longer are a scientist and they want to feel connected to the community but it turns out some people just have microbiology as a hobby. And so you, you, you make these incredible connections that podcasts, they'll surprise you. You yeah. won't know because you can put it out there. You know, something that used to require a super big team of people mm-hmm. and a satellite truck and, a, you know, editors. And, you know, now you're doing all of that. But mm-hmm. anyone can do that from their desktop and reach the world. So it's a huge potential. And I think anyone who has a message, especially like a government org- organization where they're trying to reach as many people as possible... Um, potentially, it's a great outlet for them. It is, and it's very personal. Um, you know, the right. the whole mobile aspect, smartphones becoming the dominant force uh, for mobile buying, in fact. Looking at some research here, um, this comes from uh, podcastwebsites.com, and I think they got their information from Edison, but they're talking about here how mobile marketing, you know, has been the rage in marketing, obviously, for years, but buying from mobile devices... Uh, has grown 65% of the it, to to almost almost 70% of the American marketplace in 2017 up to this point. Um, and that's up from 58. So from 58 to 65 in a year. Uh, and they see that growing. Um, and apparently, that's what people are listening to. Yeah, you know, it's like me when I get in the car, I have everything at my fingertips. I don't have just the local stations. Right. I've got everything. Everything is right there, but it does take a few more button pushes. Yeah, and we just crossed the threshold where listening through basically smartphones, apps, has taken over desktop listening. I mean, the way, (laughs) not iTunes, but podcasting has gone through a lot of changes, and before you had to have an, you didn't have to have an iPod, you had to have an MP3 player, so a lot of Mm -hmm. confusion there. Yeah. In fact, iTunes didn't create podcasting at all, despite the name. Mm -hmm. Podcasting existed before iTunes, as I sort of alluded to in 2005, they brought it into the store. But now this, what I'm holding in my hand, where I know we're an audio show, so I'm holding up my Mm -hmm. smartphone here, is the number one way people are listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, even to, as opposed to radio, as opposed to TV, Everyone's, cons- you know, YouTube, podcast, blogs is being consumed on the phone. And now we're seeing that podcast on the phone is the number one way instead of people listening on desktop. That doesn't mean a whole lot, except that it's one step closer to more people are bringing it to their cars. It's easier, again, to, yeah. to bring it in and hook it up to your car. It is. I mean, it, if you think about the fact that news directors uh, worldwide are very concerned and have been for a while now about the the consumption of video and news on their tablets yeah. their their phones 
um, it's something to be reckoned with. I and mean, you got to pay attention to it. And if you don't, I think you're missing out. You're missing out on a whole group of people, thousands, yeah. tens of thousands more. The way people are consuming has changed. It's changing. Uh, again, there's still so much growth to be had. And if you stop following where the ears and eyes are going, then you are going to lose that audience. Out. And, you know, again, if you've got important messages, like Cal OES has important messages, um, we have so many great experts at our fingertips in all areas of society, believe it or not, not just emergency management, but you name it, we've got our, our toes in it, right? Um, to not get these people in front of a microphone yes, and share yes, their experiences, exactly. their lessons, yep. and their knowledge with the listener, that would be a travesty because it's another training tool. If you think about it, it's a yep. training tool. You've got these wonderful people who often many of them are trainers themselves. Yep. They've got this great information to convey. Why not? Why not do it? Yeah, and I, I'm staring at my phone. It looks completely rude. Like, I'm just like, hey, I'm checking out my <laughs> tweets while Sean interviews me. No, I took notes. Was, you know, well-prepared. Take notes. But sure. um, Slate does a lot of podcasting, and they have a lot of – or well, Andy Bowers is a writer over there, and he does a lot of good stuff. And I had a couple of quotes, and he says, one of the other reasons uh, closely related to the quality of audience that you get from a podcast – uh, that they're so into it is that their hosts simply love doing podcasts. And mm. my show, Podcasters Roundtable, the whole premise is that I bring on a new podcaster from the community. The only requirement is that you have a podcast. And that person gets to share their how-to tips, their experience of being a podcaster, the daily stuff they go through with the entire community. Because most of them don't have a show about how to podcast, mm. yet they've been doing it for years or they've been doing it for a month and it just got started and you can hear about their struggles. They have something to share. So, you know, I listened to your most recent episode with the PIOs and all these people in this building, like you said, have so much to share and there's so much collective knowledge that as an agency, you know, with a podcast, you can really leverage that because you can do things that you can't necessarily do on the radio, TV or blog. It's For me, it's kind of a sandbox. It's a playground. You should be experimenting, trying different things. And yes, you can actually energize the people who work for you, bring them in front of the mic, let them share their ideas, make them feel more part of the organization, right? You bring external people in to your organization and, you know, have interview experts and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're doing it kind of right now. I don't call myself an expert, but you're bringing people I, outside I and an internal. Oh, yeah. Thank you. No, I do. I mean, you, you, you are an expert. I mean, I wouldn't have you on otherwise, other than, you know, you're just a fun guy to talk to. Thanks. There's something to say about that, though, because with podcasting, here's the thing. Just by getting in front of a microphone and doing a regularly produced podcast, you'll become the expert. Whether you want it or not, whether you deserve it or not, people, they listen to you. They decide to, to subscribe. They come back. And they start to turn to you for information on that subject, or they refer other people to you mm. because you become the subject matter expert. Even if you do, you know, and there's a guy, uh, David Spark does a, he, he goes to conferences and he interviews security professionals, uh, computer security. He's not an expert in this, but he's listed in some of the top 10 lists of security experts. Why? Because he has interviewed them so much hmm. that he has the resource. So you do, it does give you a certain amount of um, credibility, of, credibility mm -hmm. of clout, uh, just being on a microphone. Again, whether it's deserved or not, but hmm. you will. I mean, just by the virtue of producing a show, whether you have to do research, you pulled out numbers here. I mean, you're 
on your way to being a podcast expert. <laughs> <laughs> so if there are folks out there who are uh, who belong to a government agency and they have been toying around with the idea of launching their own podcast, um, whether they're in a public affairs office or or not, um, how do they know? What, what should what are some of the things they should think about or research to help them decide whether or not they should venture out and test the waters with podcasting? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, maybe you have a blog already, right? And that gives you some idea of your audience, maybe potential topics. Maybe you have some information that is not that you'd like to share that you don't have an avenue for it, right? And a podcast may be a great way to get there. But you obviously have to think what is your what's your end goal, right? What are you trying to do? Is it are you trying to bring awareness to your organization? Are you trying to get people to join something or um, give you feedback on a product? And bandwidth, right? A lot of organizations want to start a podcast. They hear it's what they should be doing. They give it to, you know, they give it to the girl who's got, she doesn't even have 15 hours to spare, but they give her 10 hours a week to put in this podcast. And, you know, do you have the capacity to make something well? And I think especially in the case of a professional organization, you know, you've got typical guy in a basement syndrome where you can get a microphone, a headset, and you can just put whatever you want out there. Even that doesn't work anymore for even the independent person, but especially an organization. Can you produce something that is the quality of something you're already putting out there, right? It's going to represent you. So, you know, can you do these things? Do you have the capacity inside your organization to even dedicate? Because as we mentioned, it takes so much work and you'll, you understand this is, this is mixed in with all the other work you have to do. A lot of other things. A lot of other things. And you guys have built out a great little studio here. It's clear that you've given it a chance, right? You had some resources to give to it and it's had a chance to get out there represent Cal OES very well. And then it's just about finding out, okay, what are people respond to? How do we, how do we, you know, you don't know until you put it out there and the audience will help you shape the content. People get really scared about, well, we don't, we don't know what to say or, you know, just start sharing your content and the audience will start telling you what they want it to be. Hmm. So we had uh, one of our, our offices underneath the Cal OES brand, if you will, I it's a government agency, but I still yeah. call it a brand. It is. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, uh, their commodity is highly classified information. Yeah. But they're experts on how to protect that information, how to protect your own personal information, your company, your agency's yeah. information. It's what they do. So they don't have a lot of information uh, that they can, can give you other than from that point of view. They're thinking about launching a podcast, Hmm. and I had them in here at one point. We were showing them the equipment and and whatnot. So they were trying to decide whether or not they should do it. And some of the things I asked them, I said, well, who's your audience? What kind of information are you going to give them? And they had a rough idea, but they really didn't know for sure. It makes me – my first question is why? Yeah. Right. Why, right. Why, we want to launch a podcast. Why? Because mm. you heard it's the thing to do because the media attention is now focused. It happens a lot. Every time that media attention comes back, it's like jumping into Snapchat and it's just you don't belong on Snapchat or you don't have the ability to do Snapchat or someone who understands Snapchat. Right. So uh, why are you doing it uh, even before the content? Right. What is your goal for it? So you really need to know the why and then you can figure out okay, well, what do we have to say? Because we know why we're doing it, what we, why we want to say something. And that should help 
you figure out the content. Let's say they've decided to go ahead and do it. What's their next step? Deciding the equipment, the, the platform, the whatever? I, I guess we assume that they've figured out their content. And we have to assume they, that they have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and again, it doesn't have to be all figured out, right? Um, if you, you can repurpose content you've already shared, like I said, in a blog and, and jump off of that uh, or do interviews or, you know, just getting started usually. I mean, people do tend to try to make things perfect before they launch. And I think, again, with an, with an organization, it's a little bit more important to have your ducks in a row. But after that, yeah, I mean, you can't have a podcast without the ability to record it, right? So, you know, if there's a budget involved, then I would be interested in getting them into something that was at least mid-level. I mean, you guys have great microphones here and a mixer. And, you know, when you're talking about things like the hosts, how many people are going to be on microphone? We joked about being on Skype. Are there going to be any people on Skype? Are they going to be in studio? I mean... Mm-hmm. You have the ability to bring in four different people here. And that takes, look, there's a lot of wires going around here. <laughs> and it takes someone to know how to how to move those knobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe even a little training, right? In that mm-hmm. case, you might want to bring someone in. Like you said, they visited here. I'd love to have you back and, uh, you know, get in with all of us and show us, you know, really how to tweak the system. Well, your audio is already better. We did. You we did, did tweak tra- it. Yeah. Yeah, see, that, that's Found a little a secret from behind the scenes that before we started <laughs> recording, he was in here fiddling and tweaking at it. Sean and, and, left the room and I, I jumped in the seat. I couldn't help myself. I, I came back and he's got headphones on and he's, yeah. No, but it was great because uh, I'm always, always open to learning new things. And if, and if you know, you can spend five minutes looking at this mixer going, uh, a couple of settings here need to be changed. I'm all for it. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And the key too, I mean, with anyone who wants to start, it doesn't, you know, I talked about mid-level gear. It doesn't have to be expensive at all. I mean, I can get you started with a $50 microphone that's mm-hmm. USB. And if it's just you going in and recording to a piece of free software, that can be high quality if you understand how to use it, right? Yeah. So you do have to decide in the case of an organization, what's your budget? And then you probably should speak to somebody about what we should get. Because a lot of times people will buy too much, and then, you know, more than they need, or they don't understand that a condenser mic versus a dynamic mic is very different um, they have to decide where in their organization they're actually going to set up their studio like you have here. You have mm-hmm. a little space cut out for it. It's mm-hmm. dedicated. That's important because you do kind of need to leave this gear set up or it becomes another barrier to producing another episode. That's right. Yeah. You got to be able to come in, flip it on and yeah. go to it. Right. And we both know that it's not even, even when it's set up, it's not just flip it on. There's tons of stuff to get. We're checking our levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, you know, removing the T-shirt that's draped over that's the right. mic. Yeah. <laughs> the laundry, it's all over the place. We, we threw a party in here before. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I appreciate that. Uh, next time, bring the beer. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad on me. I know. What a bad guest I am. Oh, Drink man. water. That's a pro tip, people. Oh, yeah. Drink water. Yeah, for you sure. You get the sticky mouth well, and that... Nobody wants it on the microphone. Well, you probably heard it earlier when I went, yeah. you know, had that little pop. Um, yeah, you got to drink. You got to drink the water. You've heard our, our podcast. Yeah. And uh, those people who are listening to this podcast who may have heard some of the others, what are some of the things that you've noticed that, that you like and some of the things that you see that could use improvement? On your show? Yep. On I mean, our show. Yeah. Constructive criticism now. Right, don't, right. don't don't get angry. No, no, not at all. Your show is great. I mean, <laughs> first of all, congrats for getting started. I know I met with you guys before you started the show. I think it was, or maybe had some in the can already. You had some yeah, recording. we had some in the can, but we hadn't launched yet. Yeah. And again, and I think that was a long process for you guys, right? Yeah. So 
And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, again, bandwidth could just be one of those. But so congrats. That's a huge thing. When, you know, once people get themselves in the iTunes store and it's live and people start consuming it, that's that's a huge barrier. So and then there becomes the infamous episode seven. So there's this stat where like 50 percent of all podcasts don't make it past episode seven. So I think you're past that. If you make it past 20, you pretty much almost guaranteed you're going to be here for the duration. So yeah, I'm, that's good. So but listening to your show, I mean, it's nitpicky stuff, right? You've you got launched. Um, it has direction. You've had different type. You've you've been in the field. You've done all kinds of different recordings. So you've learned a lot fast. Uh, you know, when we came in here, flipped on, there was like a ground loop issue. And it was noise that I'd heard when I was listening. Stuff that most people aren't going to hear that I may notice. Um, but we already cleaned that up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So outside the tech stuff, you know, I think like desk bumps, you know, I noticed some people, you know, people tend to talk with their hands and they hit the desk. We have mics that are mounted to a desk. These are all little things. I often say in my show, grow as you go, right? So again, you got launched, record. It won't matter until you press record until you, and then you hit publish and it's out there and the audience starts to tell you, other people start to tell you because you can do 50 practice recordings. It doesn't matter until you press publish mm. and, and let it go out there. So these are things that can all be cleaned up later on and, you know, people, they worry and they say, oh, should I go back through my first five episodes and fix it? It's like, no, <laughs> you're, you're really, you're really doing more damage than good. Right. And people like to see the, the progression. It's gotten better. Um, you know, tongue clicks, little things like that, that, that could be cleaned up. But, um, you know, overall, I mean, the show is good. I'd be curious, like you said, you've gotten some feedback, you know, do you, do you feel like you're reaching your target audience? Do you feel like that maybe after 20 episodes you want to, that you found that you might want to change or you, I mean, what's the goal for reaching? I don't know the customer for Cal EOS. Yeah. You were saying it sounds like information it, people, it, but first responders, yeah. uh, people in the emergency response field, emergency managers, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, with the goal police, of just you know. your message or yeah, well with, uh, learning, a lot of it's about learning. We, we bring in uh, experts in whatever the field is at that point in time and have them share stories and, sort of lessons learned while while out there hopefully they can convey that information onto the listener who can utilize that information yeah and then um you know it's like paying it forward in mm-hmm. a way um but uh and i imagine that meets part of the mission it of, uh, yeah know, yeah teaching it, and training and getting out sure yeah information. uh so my goal though in, in terms of looking at the feedback we don't get a lot of feedback believe and it or not most people i know i do believe it uh i call feedback on a podcast is sort of a high threshold um, action, right? Okay. You know, and and that requires, just like advertising, you got to say it a bunch of times. You need to call to actions. You need to ask. A lot of times people don't ask and then they wonder why they don't get any feedback. Uh, and it depends on where you put that call to action, your podcast, mm-hmm. all this stuff, right? But if you're out on social, you know, the feedback might not necessarily always just be through the podcast because you can have a call in line that works, but you have to be highly engaged. If people are going to call in and leave a message, you probably should play that into your episodes and then but feedback it will slowly build but Mm. feedback is a really slow thing but one thing you know we get statistics and statistics are a highly debatable thing in podcasts but um, we actually believe or not measure we can measure pretty good uh much better than radio or tv Mm. yet we're going through quite a bit of a a bit of a hoopla about stats and measuring oh yes yeah (laughs) downloads and yeah and it's ridiculous because we can we have great metrics but anyways Beyond those things, like how many people download an episode, where are they downloading from, what device are they using, 
you know, doing a poll is something that after you got 20 episodes or 100 episodes, you do have some audience. You're reaching them. Um, ask your audience. Who are mm. they? Mm. What do they like? What they don't like? Right? And, you know, we talk about sample sizes and stuff, and you get a little response. But you have to go and, and really actively look for that feedback. Ask the people what they're enjoying, what could be different, what they want to see more of, and then adjust from there. But it really does require going out to social. Um, a newsletter is huge, right? So just newsletter. because, yeah, I hmm. mean, your podcast, you know, if you have a newsletter, right, you want to get people onto that newsletter. I mean, let's just imagine a scenario where you've built 10,000 people listen to every episode on iTunes. And then iTunes says you violated the terms of service for some no reason. I mean, I've seen people get out, kicked out of iTunes for no reason, literally, sometimes because of a mistake. Hmm. But what just happened, you just lost that contact with your audience. So it's important to, when, as you're gaining the audience, get them into somewhere else as well that you control, not a third party. So if you get them to sign up, you know, I, I have a call to action all the time, like um, sign up over at podcastersroundtable.com and whatever it is. And I don't necessarily send out a lot of newsletters, but something goes wrong, I have a direct contact with them. But I can also then ask them, hey, do you guys like the content? What else do you want to see? What's different? Um, you know, I, I get a little of that via live show as well. And live is something I would not recommend uh, that people, especially starting, do. But, yeah, you really have to go out and ask. Okay. And and don't be disappointed when it doesn't just start coming in by the barrelfuls. Yeah. Well, I think we, so far, with the 20 episodes, 20 or so that we have right now, we have about 3,000 downloads, whatever that means. Right. Um, subscribers, I don't, I don't even know the numbers yeah. there. It's not very many. And that's, and the key, the key is that with podcasts, you can do so much more with so much less, right? We are, we, we cater, we tend to cater to an, a niche or a niche, however you want to say that. Um, and so you're looking to reach a very specific group. So, you know, success for you guys might be a thousand listens per episode because you're reaching a thousand emergency uh, you know, first responders or people in charge, you know, PIOs, whatever. You're reaching your target audience. So mm -hmm. you don't need the millions that a TV show needs to get re-upped. Um, and the most, for the most case, I guess it could happen here. Someone's not going to walk in and just pull the plugs and say, you're canceled. Right. Right. So you can build slowly. But yeah, the power of the podcast really is in the, in the niche. Because if you have a thousand people who listen to you every week, talk about a very specific subject, you know exactly who you're reaching uh, and then you can you can tailor that message for those people and you'll build over time. And and you do have to, you know, a podcast like this might require a different type of outreach, right? You might consider that somewhere around half Americans have heard of a podcast. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there who never heard of it. They don't know this exists, right? So ideally, I would like to see this show featured more prominently on the homepage. If I go to your website at the Cow OS, I, I can't find the podcast, mm. to be honest with you. So mm. I'm not sure where it's at yeah. and it may be there but you know that the limits your discovery to the people who are coming to the website who didn't realize you had a podcast and right. then said oh my gosh look i'm here for this other reason i would completely love this show but you might yeah. be at events you know at, at training events make sure you're introducing your podcast to these mm. people because they're the people you're actually looking for that's right and again the way podcasts grow slow and steady mm-hmm as a whole, as an industry, so does an individual show, mm. right? I mean, you mentioned Adam Carolla. Mm -hmm. And if you go look at the top 10 podcasts in iTunes, uh, first of all, I will say you'll notice that most of them are long format. That's another beauty of podcasts. You can go on for an hour, an hour and a half, and people listen. 
it's a completely different format. Uh, people have commutes, long commutes. You can pause and come back. So long format plays really well. A lot of people always want to know how long should it be? Yeah. Well, it should be as long as it needs to be, mm. right? Don't mm -hmm. don't fill spaces because you think you need to fill time. Right. Get out if you're done. But you'll notice that a lot of those podcasts, they came with an audience. So people get really disappointed and they measure their success against other people who came with an audience. Corolla, he didn't start as a podcaster. He came with an audience. NPR, mm -hmm. they brought over their audience, yeah. right? So you have to kind of do the same thing for Cal OES. You have an audience. You just need to get the show in front of them. Right. So this is all information that while it is helping me... <laughs> Uh, this is all information that can be relayed to other people who are either have podcasts now or are thinking about it. It all applies. It applies to everybody. So if you're going through the same thing that I'm going through here with Cal OES and this podcast, then take this information to heart. I mean, you can benefit from it as well. We like having you here because you know what you're talking about and people come to you. Uh, because you know what you're talking about, and you obviously have a passion for it. You can hear it in your voice. You've got enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is important when you get into this. Uh, yes, you need a lot of it. Yeah. It'll it'll keep it'll sustain you. That's you know, or maybe enthusiasm gets you and gets you started. But the passion will keep you going. Yeah, if you don't have the passion, you won't keep going. I think you said the the key numbers are seven and yeah. twenty something. And you know that's an important point because I never shut up. <laughs> um, in the organization, we just sort of taking it back a little bit. It's important to find the person who really wants to do it, right? Because you can't just hand it off to someone who hopefully they have the knowledge of what they're talking about, deep knowledge of what the subject is, but you need that person in your organization and don't assume because maybe they have some type of media background or training that they're the right person. I mean, the beauty of a podcast is in some cases, a lot of cases, it's relatable. We talked about how intimate it is because the person behind the microphone is just like the person that's listening. And maybe they're on a journey and they're learning how to podcast and the audience is going along with them and they're seeing the growth. But they connect to podcast hosts, right? Because mm -hmm. they don't have, they're not the radio voice. They're not the shock jock. So it's very important in that process as an agency that's deciding to podcast who you choose to be behind the mic, because that person will become the face of your organization, at least to the podcast audience. So they need to really care and they want to, they have to want to do this thing, right? Not just be assigned to it. It's right. very important. Right. So whether they're looking for uh, branding or not, uh, brands, you know, they want to, they want, uh, because brands do advertise with podcasters, they want to know that they're going to place an ad with uh, someone that, that they can trust, that their audience trusts. And the same thing applies to the brand, whether it's Cal OES or Red Cross or whoever it is, right? Um, the listener has to trust that person. And I would hope that uh, our listeners trust what I'm saying and trust the guests that I have in. It's important or else you don't build that audience. Yeah, for sure. I mean... You know, that's one of the reasons why advertising, you know, just to talk about advertising, does so well. Because if the host says it and they said they tried it and they like it and they use it, then the audience is going to, it, it converts really well because they trust the person giving that information. And as soon as you break that, if you pick an advertiser just because they were going to pay you money, but the product doesn't fit the subject matter or the audience or it's garbage, that's it. You've lost the, the hardest thing you've worked to build. Right? to get someone to actually press that subscribe button or listen to your show, they're gone. They're not coming back. You burnt to trust. So right. that's, that's hugely important. Huge, huge. 
certainly I think at this point, I definitely want to make sure that this audience is getting something from it. And I think the people who are thinking, how do we get our message out? Hopefully the one thing they've learned is there's a lot to think about, right? It's not, you know, but also at the same time, don't let it paralyze you. You do want to get started. So make a few decisions, you know, have, have that good, good faith that you are doing the right thing, you know, do it for the right reasons and then start recording and push the publish button. There we go. Push the publish button. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that as the uh, the topic of this particular podcast. I like it. So, Ray Ortega, man, thanks uh, for being here and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. My pleasure. With uh, the All Hazards podcast. Uh, by the way, your advice uh, months and months ago uh, to take the word podcast out of the title mm. uh, was heard loud and clear, and I deleted that word. Nice. So instead of being the All Hazards podcast, it's now the All Hazards podcast. Just like that. <laughs> Lowercase. Yes. <laughs> so this guy knows what he's talking about, folks. So um, anyway, Ray Ortega, the podcasterstudio.com, rayortega.com. Both shows are podcasts about podcasts. They are. It's meta. It's if, if you get into this thing and you decide you like it and you're like, Sean, you've been charged to do it and you really want to drill down and make your show better, then yeah, come on over. And you'll, there's plenty. Oh my gosh, there's so much to get into. So don't let it overwhelm you, but hey, my Twitter handle, at Podcast Helper. Okay, so I'm here for questions. There you go. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned something here. I know I have. And uh, Ray's the master. He's the, um, Ray is the sensei. (laughs) It's a promotion. Thank you, grasshopper. All right. Ray Ortega, everybody. Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the All Hazards Podcast. As you heard, Ray Ortega is good. And his podcasts are great, by the way. They're very informative and entertaining at the same time. So uh, go over there, check it out. You might learn something there, too. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, the All Hazards Podcast. It is produced every couple of weeks right here at Cal OES, outside of Sacramento, California. You can find us on iTunes and in the Google Play Store. Be sure to subscribe there. We would certainly appreciate it, as well as any feedback you have for us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to hear in the future. I would appreciate it. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks for listening, and be safe out there. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.